Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. This woman is prouder of her ability to deep fry anything to perfection than she is of her Tony Award. Welcome, Julie White. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Julie White star of film, stage, and television. Julie is a Tony Award winner for the play The Little Dog Laughed. She was first introduced to television audiences when she played Nadine Swoboda in Grace Under Fire and to film audiences when she joined the blockbuster Transformer movie franchise as Judy Witwicky. Other films include Nanny Diaries, War of the Worlds, Michael Clayton, Monsters vs. Aliens, Lincoln, and Inside Out. On TV, she's been on The Good Wife, Alpha House, Nurse Jackie, Go On, Six Feet Under, and Cavemen. She's had an extensive theater career for which she has been nominated or won many awards. Some notable plays include Sylvia, Airline Highway, Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike, Anne, The Heidi Chronicles, Spike Heels, and Bad Dates. Welcome, Julie White. So... I knew you before you knew me because when I went to Fordham University, one of the years that I was there, they were doing a musical and the production was cabaret. And clearly there was no one that they could find in the actual university to play the part of Sally Bowles. (laughs) All of us who were paying a gazillion dollars to go to college that they hired an actress who had gone to Fordham to come back and play the role of Sally Bowles. I'm not sure that that is true. I think I'd had to take a semester off. You did not take a single class at Fordham University while I went to that college. You absolutely did not. Then we did Miss Julie. Also, but I'm telling you, Miss Julie. Was I going to school then? I tell you that I I was and you just weren't aware of it. I do not believe you were a matriculating Fordham University student. Gosh darn it. Because I went forward and back and then I married, you know, I married real young. 
But I was finally done when I was 24 and got pregnant. Okay. I like my version of the story better, where you did not even go to school. And they really tried to give Sally to one of us. I was like, maybe this time Julie White won't take the part, oh, even God, though I she feel, doesn't go to school here. I feel terrible. I'm sure. I was taking, I took a class on Russian revolution in the... 20th century. No, you did not. You did not go to that school. But I didn't graduate (laughs) until, get this, after I did Little Dog Laughed, some of our Fordham buddies, Camille was the ringleader, as she often is, Camille Hickman, she was like, let's all go to this alumni event. So I went to the alumni event, you know, outside on the plaza there. It was really pretty. And the Monsignor, who is, it's a Catholic school for some reason. Jesuit. Okay. Aren't Jesuits Catholics? It's like saying all calicos I are cats. I like to repeat, <laughs> but my not name all is Alana Levine. Cats are calicos. And as Alana Levine, this would not be my specific okay. expertise, it. right. but it's certainly possible. Well, I felt very excited that I was able to say Monsignor. Totally. I'm from, the, I'm from Austin, Texas. I'd be thrilled if There's I could spell Monsignor. That's amazing. I didn't meet a Jewish person until I was 18 years old. <laughs> But you were like, oh, my and God, that, you're nice. I think, well, where are the horns, <laughs> man? What are they talking Oh, there about? they are. <laughs> there they are. Um, I just remember all the fish. My roommate at Southwest Texas State was a Jewish girl named Frances Rubin. And her family all came bearing fish with, Like you know, locks? Like yeah. bagel fish? Yes. That, Delish. That I'd never, you know, experienced a fish that wasn't fried. Right. And it was so delicious. And so then I was like, honorary, I'm going to New York. I'm going to New York. I'm going, going to New York. I'm Russ going and to Daughters. Mecca, to Russ and Daughters. Hi, Zabars. I understand <laughs> you have a white fish salad that is divine. <laughs> that has my name that on it. That has Julie White's name. So anyway, the Monsignor yes. says, you know, I was, was nominated for a Tony, mm. which I later won. Yes. But he was like, we're so proud of you and proud that you're an alumni. And I was like, well, actually... I never graduated. Funny story. <laughs> Funny story, Monsignor. May I call you're you gonna, Monsignor? You're going to love this, Monsignor, because <laughs> I got knocked up and married, both things that the Catholic Church approves of, and you know, and I never graduated. He said, well, here, talk to this guy who's the head of the theater department, and we'll look up through your records and figure out what you're missing and work out a way for you to graduate. And he did, and I actually wrote a paper. I had to write a paper. <laughs> and the paper was called, I did more shows at Fordham when I wasn't attending How than did... anyone who actually attended Fordham. Was that oh the paper? God. I'm not oh, bitter. It was one of those things I'm like, not bitter. What, are you, what have you learned? Like life lesson? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was probably horrifying. But I finally got it all turned in. And it turned out that I graduated from Fordham University the same day that my daughter graduated from USC. That's beautiful. I know. So I went to her commencement. Wearing your own cap and gown. I know. I was a little <laughs> bitter. Purple. I was a little bitter because also the speaker was Arnold Schwarzenegger, who actually said, I'll be back, like three times in the speech. Wow. And one of these things was like Arnold's rules for success. And the first <laughs> one, marry a Kennedy. Wow. So you just graduated college, USC. and your whole life is ahead of you, and you're a young woman, and he, full of potential, yeah. and, and Arnold this is says, what you're sent Mary away with. Kennedy. What a doof. Okay, oh. I want to talk about Little Dog Laugh, because in yeah. 2007, you won the Tony Award for this play, and what's so extraordinary about it, 
because I remember watching because somebody I knew was yeah. nominated. Whoa. And I'm watching on television, and suddenly it hits me that these are the other women. There may be more, but this is my memory. <laughs> my memory is this. For Best Actress, Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah, right. Yay, Vanessa right. Redgrave. Yeah. yeah. Angela Lunsbury. Yeah. Oh, I know her. Angela yeah. Lunsbury. Swoozy Kurtz? Yeah. Swoozy Kurtz. Swoozy. And Julie White. Yeah. Okay, great. How amazing. One Julie's, of these things Julie, is not like the she other. She is in great company. Yeah. How adorable for Julie. I know. And then all of a sudden, they call Julie White, <laughs> and you're sitting next to your beautiful daughter. Yeah. And so I'm sobbing, just the whole idea oh. of it, because Julie, as we'll talk about soon, <laughs> was a single mom and in New York raising a daughter on her own oh and supporting her family as an actress. And Julie gets up, and you know what? We can even just wait while you go do this. Go find on YouTube the clip of this, because I've never seen anything like it. Julie, who looks gorgeous, is trudging down the aisle. Literally, I've never seen anyone more furious in her life. That's literally Angela. walking up there going, you have got to be fucking kidding me. I think it's you the best thing. You have got to be kidding me. It's the best thing I've ever seen. How dare you give me this award? How did this happen? How did this happen? But it did. Because you were remarkable. I even feel like it wasn't even much of a leading part. It was really sort of a supporting part. And Vanessa Redgrave did a play all by herself. I know. About... Joan Didion's year of horribleness right. where both her husband and her daughter died. Yeah. And Vanessa was doing that night after night while I was stomping around in Manala Blahniks. Having the best time ever. <laughs> Literally so being like the meanest agent on the planet. I know, and just with glee and delight. Totally. Like, yeah, I'm You didn't a even winner. have to really sweat. But you know why? It was so effortless <laughs> and joyous. Fun. And I saw that performance and it remains embedded on my brain. I... <laughs> heard a story that if you are comfortable sharing with it, I think it's one of the funniest theater stories I've ever heard. You were doing the Heidi Chronicles. What happened was Wendy Wasserstein was there and she was in the the stage management. Well, so I replaced. I replaced Anne Lang in the shows. After a matinee, I'm coming down the stairs and as I'm coming down, who comes in the stage door and comes up those stairs but fucking Meryl Streep. And she was already Meryl Streep. She came out it, of the womb Meryl Streep. Yes, yes. She was, oh my God. It was like, how when was it? 1990, 91 or something. Something like that. Oh my God. So there's Meryl Streep. I'm like, oh my God. Meryl Streep has to have already seen the show. She must have come back to see it again. She's seen me in this play. So I just stood against the wall thinking, you know, she was going to say something to me, like how good I was and keep up the good work. You're amazing. Something. And you, she, you and I should work together. Yes, like that, like something like that. She she didn't say any of that. She instead, she comes up and hears Wendy coming out of the stage and like, you know, Meryl, Meryl, how are you? She had that great voice, so charming. She was like, oh, Meryl, I didn't know that you were here. (laughs) Meryl was like, well, actually, I, I, I didn't see the show, but I just popped in because Mamie really needs to use the bathroom. Her daughter. Yeah, she had like she had some assorted little blonde tots with her, and um. She hadn't seen the show. No. She just, no, she just, needed, she just needed a bathroom. And, you know, you need a clean bathroom. I'm sure she's blood. What, are you going to go to the Applebee's? She was oh. Meryl Streep. No. I mean, I feel like somebody should have been following her with a port Like car and driver, port on wheels. But <laughs> well, So she came on in. And, you know, out they went. Bye, bye, bye. And Wendy, <laughs> Wendy just said, I am so glad that I have a hit show on Broadway so Meryl and the kids have somewhere to pee in Midtown. 
Well, this is a good segue because you are a highly regarded theater star Mm -hmm. who also appears in not one, not two, (laughs) but I believe three of the Transformer films, which are probably the biggest movies in the world, right? Well, I think Transformers really started the horrible trend, the blockbuster that is worldwide. So they open huge in China. They set a scene in China, a big Transformer <laughs> stress ball, yeah. you know, where they all... Yeah. Gah, gah, gah. yeah. You know, they're not, like, just in America. So the idea of those movies that roll out and make a billion dollars all over the world. You were one of my first friends who had a television series, a long-running television series. Oh, my god! Julie was on a sitcom called Grace Under Fire I for was. four years. Do you ever talk about it? Do you I have don't ever you talk about, about it, it because I did sign a thing that was like, I won't talk about you if, if you, you let don't... me go. And if you don't talk about me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear any opinions about me. I think it was kind of known... That there was something going on there, and people ultimately could kind of see it, and then therefore you don't want to watch it as much. Mm-hmm. Is so, there anything you want to say about it now, years later? You know, with perspective. Oh my gosh, the one perspective I just think about now that I've gone through the experience of making pilots, ones that you love, making shows that you love, maybe making thirteen episodes or twenty-two. Right. And then they it's such a miracle when people watch. We were so lucky. And I still am like, gosh, that was a shame that we couldn't find a way well, to work together. Well, that's how untenable together. it was yeah. for you to walk away from something like that. Yeah. But bottom line, after the second year of it, I was my thought process was, well, this will run its course. Mm-hmm. And if I just keep my head down, and they made me pregnant, so I wore a fat suit, which kind of More protection, more armor. A little bit of more armor, Mm -hmm. and I was pregnant for 11 months. That's amazing. (laughs) I'm like in a gestational... Are you a mammal? Period of an elephant. Okay. You know? Um, And I was like, I can do it, because what I'm doing is I'm buying my talent back. Mm -hmm. So if I shepherd this money well and take care of it... Then Alex and I are taken care of. She can go to whatever school she needs to go to. I can get her up and through college. And I don't ever have to say yes to something just because I I need to pay the bills. And it accomplished that goal. You know, it didn't make me like Big Bang Theory rich or anything. But, you know, I worked it out. It's like if this was – I had a nice job like as a – professor at a university, this would be my lifetime take home. So now just take care of it. You know, and just because like all actors, you automatically think, well, I'll never get another job ever. And it didn't work out that way. So I bless it. You know what I mean? It came along at a time I was a single mom. I had been doing theater and traveling around and my kid had gotten to First grade age. She was about to start first right. grade. So you wanted to settle somewhere that yes, she could Yes, that she could stay. Yeah, 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 yeah And yeah, it yeah. turned out that we stayed in it those four years, and then we continued on all the way through middle school and then came back to New York so she could go to high school in Brooklyn with where did, regular people. Because she was going to middle school with the Olsen twins. Nice. It was just too weird. She was going to middle school with the Olsen twins in L.A. Yeah. Right. They were a year ahead of her. But even I... 
when I would drive through the line to drop her off, was like, what are they wearing? No, I totally What are like, they wearing let me today? Just, let me just fix my lipstick. Yeah, right. Well, because sometimes then the parent, hey. the parent behind you, right. Denzel. Yeah. You know, <laughs> from Fordham. Yeah. Yes. The parent in front of you is somebody else more famous than you. Everybody in the, par- the car line. Was, I don't understand. I felt anything. bad about my career and bad about my wardrobe because the Olsen twins, even then, managed to make the uniform at Campbell Hall so freaking stylish. Right. It's part of their line. And their line is like very clean, almost like a uniform. But that's what they did. They styled those plaid skirt, white shirt, or you had to wear a khaki bottom, white top. You know, you could have a navy sweater. But they were just so cool. So you became recognizable to people because you were on a sitcom for a couple of years. How did Transformers change things for you? Maybe when I was in Grace Under Fire, if I went into like a Target in Mm -hmm. the Midwest. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, you know, in L.A., no one ever says anything to you. There's Unless maybe you're Angelina Jolie or something. I don't know. And usually people are just so nice. When I was doing um, a show for NBC a couple years ago called Go On about a grief support group, and I played a grieving lesbian, very sort of buttoned-up attorney whose wife had very suddenly Mm -hmm. died of a heart attack. And I was, you know, sad and angry, and the show was funny. And people would stop me and just say, like, the greatest stuff, you know, really encouraging and also like, oh, my God, my mom died, and this show means so much to me, and da 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 And it was like, I love you guys. And one time walking down the street in New York, this very elegant man sort of leaned around to me and said, oh, God, I think you're a genius. And then just disappeared, you know, just flew off. And I also thought, well, gosh, everybody should have that. Mm-hmm. Every day somebody should come up. I mean, we should do it because it's so great. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, who works out in the real world with normal people, not right. show business people, has told me that she has noticed that no one is as effusive and encouraging like our friend John Hickey one time came to her apartment and yeah. declared her shower curtain a triumph. <laughs> it's a triumph. Well, I've had the opposite experience with John Hickey oh, no, looking no. at my shower oh, curtain no. saying, this is a disaster. That's right. So he really, he that is opinion. high praise. It's very high praise. High praise. He just, uh, how effusive we are and encouraging and Alex says I don't do it that much in the real world. But she does it a lot, and people really respond to it. All right. I have a quote uh, that I found, and you need to tell me that if this is true, because it could be your slogan <laughs> for any election that you ran in, okay? Okay. It says, and I quote, this is Julie White, and then I'm going to ask you to say it in your best Ben, Texas <laughs> accent, which I believe is where you grew up. Is that right? Are you from Ben, I really Texas? am from Austin, and our family ranch is in Bend. This quote. If you brought ice and fried chicken, <laughs> you would be welcome anywhere. Yes. Are those words to live by? Do you know what? It was my grandmother, Ruby, who was so freaking fabulous, and she had the most fabulous friends. And uh, Hazel and Hazel Murray and Jean. And Hazel was kind of a sporty gal. She was She married. was sporty spice? She was married, but okay. she could have easily okay. been a golfer. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. But she came striding up to the... <laughs> she just kind of dropped in when we were all out there in the ranch. She came striding up with ice and fried chicken, and she was like, 
Well, I didn't call ahead, but I brought ice and fried chicken, so I figure I'm welcome anywhere. So I was paraphrasing Hazel. I'll I'll quote Hazel. God rest her soul. I miss her. Have you ever brought ice and fried chicken anywhere? Uh, Yeah. And some, I, I fry chicken so well that I'll show up places and people have the chicken and are like, hi, Julie, what are you doing for the next hour and a half? I'm frying your chicken up. Yes, I'm frying chicken. (laughs) All right. Now, this is a segue that makes no sense. And I don't know why I'm thinking of Steven Spielberg right now. Oh. Because I don't know that he's a lover of ice or fried chicken. I bet he'd be welcome. He would be. You brought him fried. Who um, doesn't like fried chicken? I love fried chicken so much. So you have worked with so many incredible directors, but in comparing Michael Bay and Steven Spielberg, who are such different kinds of storytellers, wow. although both can tell huge stories. Huge. And I just did a pilot with Jim Burroughs. And what he did was made you feel so calm. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like you were shooting a pilot, which is normally a very like fraught. Right. Everyone's and suits like, sitting there going, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Like when the suits came for the network run through, he made him get an audience. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, it wasn't just those suits walking from, they right. were watching judgy, it and he shot judgy it. Judgy faces. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he shot it like it was the show. He just made you feel so very comfortable that it felt like we were making episode 63, not episode one. So how do, so how? How does he do that? And I don't know why everybody doesn't do that. I'm Jim Burroughs. This is the nervous writer. Okay. Nervous producer. Okay. Scared actor. Okay. Uh, all these scary people, but he doesn't absorb any of it. It just bounces right off of him. And he's like, you know, you rehearse something. And he's like, okay, uh, let's move on. And so they, you're now, just, if you're a needy actor who needs praise or feedback, do you just have to find within yourself, like, oh, I get it. If he doesn't say anything, this is all good. Yeah. And nothing to worry about here. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's okay. done. It, that's how it, that's how it is when you're making episode 62. So when you're on Lincoln, the film Lincoln with Steven yeah, you Spielberg. Yeah, great. He's so calm and so without... Flare. Did you audition for Steven Spielberg? You know, I I didn't, but he produced the DreamWorks is one of the producers of Transformers. So he was very much aware of me. So he was able to look at you as I know as Miss Winwicky and be like, be like oh, I see. know what I can use. I Mary, wait, were you not my, Mary Washington? My name was Elizabeth Blair Lee. Thank you. The were you Robert daughter Lee's? of the founder of the Republican Party were the were the Blairs. Okay. And the Blair House in Washington, D.C. was the house that, that my father built for, for Elizabeth Blair Lee. Do you still have to audition? I don't audition very often, but when I do, I never get it. <laughs> to me, I feel like people pretty much know what I am. You either want me or you don't. And there's probably nothing I can do in an audition to convince you. But right. I also remember the feeling, you've had this, where you walk in and go, oh, there's no way that they're casting me in this. Like from maybe 20 seconds in. Sometimes the feeling is, oh, they're not going to cast this, period. It's This is not getting cast today. This this project is going to go away. They're just jerking off yeah. to pretend that their production deal is still going forward. Or something, something weird is going on. So I did have that radar sometimes about auditioning. But really, I never had ones that were like, man, this was great. I've had ones where it was horrible. Were you an actress as a I young did. person? I acted in the Austin like community theater scene, okay. which was actually kind of burgeoning 
I did Eve Miriam's incredibly interesting gender play called The Club, which is seven women in turn-of-the-century men's formal wear singing turn-of-the-century songs set in a men's club. Do you remember any of it? Fancy little Nancy Lee, willing for a bit of fun. In a style and manner free, he out until the clock struck one. Oh, Nancy. And it was just this... Wait, you know, when I first met you, you were doing Sally Bowles in Cabaret. Have you not been doing musical theater? What's happening with that? Why don't you sing? I just don't. Would you? You don't. I'm not good enough. I'm not. They sing so good. I mean, go go to a fucking musical. (laughs) Should I? I've never been. Are they they good? Yeah. (laughs) They can really sing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go listen to Kelly O'Hara sing. I will. That's a good idea. Hello, young lovers. Get out of my car. I will totally do that. Yeah. It's they're really good. They can all sing like fucking birds. Okay, fair and, enough. And I can sort of sing. I could sort of fake it. But yeah. your point is, after all the booze, yeah, all the booze, <laughs> all and the booze smokes. and cigarettes. Probably, yes. I've ruined it. No, but you found your thing, and and you're letting I'd other people just do talk. there. But I haven't asked you anything. But that's okay. Do you have one audition story? No. Well, okay. I have tell one about what? a girl. It has to be yours. It's not mine. All right, just tell it. It's Peter Frechette. All right, well, Peter Frechette is one of the funniest people on the planet. He was nominated for a Tony and nominated for an Emmy. And, okay, so this is is his audition experience. You used to go in and they would tape you, not with a phone, but with a little camera on a tripod and then, you know, send the tape to the coast. And Peter did his audition scene with the casting director who's behind that camera. And then when he's finished, she puts her head out to the side of the camera and says, I don't like it, and I don't know why. Do you? (laughs) Julie White, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Alana Levine. You've made the Little Known Facts podcast like a really fun place to be right now, so thank you. I love you. I love you too, darling. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Thanks for listening.